Locked On Nuggets, your daily Ever Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Matt Moore, NBA senior writer for the Action Network and Nuggets insider for 104.3 The Fan in Denver. On today's show, we're going to recap two really pretty great wins shorthanded for Denver, uh, 186 over the Charlotte Hornets and a comeback victory, 134-131 over the Golden State Warriors on the back-to-back. Uh, we'll talk about Jamal Murray's injury, about Gary Harris's situation, about Michael Porter Jr. being incredible. Uh, we'll talk about the playoff picture. We'll talk about all of these things and more on this edition of Locked On Nuggets. So let's go ahead and get into the first of these two games. I want to give kind of like big overall thoughts on these two games. Uh, the Hornets game was, I think, 186. Anytime the, the Nuggets put up 100 points, you're kind of like, meh. Um, you know, and they shot 48% from the field, only 32% from three-point range. Jamal Murray goes down with a very badly turned ankle. Um, let's go ahead and talk Jamal real quick. So uh, I've spoken with uh, the Nuggets, uh, somebody with the Nuggets, to confirm it is not a high ankle sprain. So for those of you that don't know, you can have an ankle sprain and you can have a high ankle sprain. And essentially, if you have an ankle sprain, that sucks. You'll get better. You're fine. If you have a high ankle sprain, it's going to be a while. Uh, Guys can miss up to a month, maybe more with that. Uh, It is not a high ankle sprain. He did not have an MRI on Thursday. I do not know at this time, as of this recording, whether or not he did not have the MRI because the swelling was too great and they wanted it to come down or because they didn't think it was necessary. I do not know the differential. The team has treated it as just like a left ankle sprain. Um, so I'm assuming that it's just an ankle sprain. Probably going to be if like a couple weeks is what I would assume. Like he'll probably be back before All-Star, but maybe not because they might just be like, oh, let's just get you into All-Star. Like we are about a month out from All-Star. Um, we're exactly a month out actually from All-Star weekend. And so if they can get through this next stretch until then, which they can without him, there's really no reason to rush him back um, on an ankle. And then he turns it again because Jamal's always had those issues with that the ankles, um, he's just turned a lot of ankles in his time. I knew pretty immediately it was bad because of how he grabbed it. He did grab it high, but I think he mostly grabbed it high because like you can't grab it exactly on it. So you grab it kind of uh, up above for whatever reason. I've done that before when I've sprained ankles badly. Um, <clears throat> so going to be a little while without him. And I immediately posed the question, do they have to go get somebody? Because I did not think the PJ Dozier was going to come in as he did in that game, and go 5 of 7 from the field for 12 points, including 2 of 4 from 3-point range, including a step-back jumper in the Hornets' eyeball uh, with 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and no turnovers. Dozier came in played great. Um, he really deserves a lot of credit for that Hornets win in that uh, Dozier came in and didn't allow things to unravel, and P.J. brings a lot to the table. Look, the the Thunder are really high on P.J. Dozier. They had him in their G League system. They wanted to keep him. They couldn't find room for him. He eventually got loose, and they lost him, and they're, they've always been like, man, we knew P.J. was going to be good. Like They're very happy for him, but it's also, you talk to anybody in their organization, and they're just like, ah, man, we knew he could do this. Um, the Nuggets seem to have a lot of confidence in him. They were hyping him when he was killing the G League, and I've seen lots of guys kill the G League. So I was kind of like, oh, it's good. You know, we'll see. Um, 
But he was really good in this stint. He's big, he's long, he's rangy, he's got natural point guard skills. He was able to get the ball to Jokic in the post. He's able to throw post-injury passes, which, to be perfectly honest, makes him one of about three players on the roster that can do that. So that was a nice fit. Uh, He had a really great cut that Jokic found for him. Uh, The step-back jumper where he waved out Plumlee was big. Like, P.J. was phenomenal. You know, he he finished only a plus two in this game, but it was a quality performance. Um, and he didn't play much on the second night of a back-to-back. That's a lot to ask for a guy, but I think PJ's probably going to be in the rotation. I don't think they're going to need to go get another guard. If they do, it'll be for insurance purposes. Um, I think in general, even though they got the roster spot, I think the Nuggets like where they're at, and I don't necessarily think that they'll sign somebody. They may, because they may just be like, hey, what about this guy? Like, well, yeah, let's just go get him for insurance purposes, but I don't get the sense that um, there's any sort of like urgency, because they really are confident in what PJ Dozier can do the other big thing from this game obviously michael porter jr 7 to 13 from the field eight rebounds uh one assist no turnovers two steals and a block had a really great contest on a three-pointer where he followed through and managed to get to disrupt it without fouling um had some bad sequences the way he's always going to but finished with a plus 10 because he was great um he had 1.17 points in eight minutes which is pretty good that's pretty awesome. Cooled off in the second half. Not surprising, but look, he that the 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 seventeen that he gave uh, was pretty great enough for them to be in um, prime position going forward uh, and to win the game. Uh, you know, they won this game by fourteen points, and he put up big numbers. Like that differential really does matter. Uh, this game was a real quiet one for Jokic. I thought Jokic could have a monster game because. The Hornets' frontline defense is so bad. But Jokic played fewer than 30 minutes, 5-9 from the field, 8 boards, 8 assists. Did have 4 turnovers, uh, only 12 points. He just didn't really force it. Like This is one that Jokic felt, you could tell with the assist, that like, all right, they're going to play me this way. I'm going to kill him on the back end. And he found lots of cuts and was able to generate easy buckets for everybody. I mean, Monte Morris had 5 assists, and those were the only two really other. Uh, those are the only guys with more than 3 assists in the game. Um, Mason Plumlee's on a tear. He's on a really strong tear at this point. Played well in both of these games back-to-back. Plumlee, 6 of 8 from the field, 5 boards, 2 assists, uh, 15 points, and a plus 17. Didn't try and force too much in the post. Was helpful in finding cutters. Played great defense. He it, This is probably his best defensive game. And there's not really a threat down there for them to, to give him problems. But look, Cody Zeller was kind of giving Jokic the business. Like, Jokic only finished plus three in this game, and some of that was because, like, Zeller went at him. Um, and Plumlee really dominated the matchup. Like, he killed Willie Hernan Gomez, and when Zeller was in there, he killed Zeller, and he hurt Bismack as well. Like, Mason won the center minutes, and that's big. Uh, Mason's played well this year. He's had a sneaky, really good season. For all the problems that people have with him, Mason's, I think, been one of the better parts of what that of that bench unit that struggled but has turned over the last couple of weeks. Uh, especially with Porter Jr. coming on. So a really strong performance from him. Uh, Paul Millsap did not play in this game. Jerry Grant, by the way, 5 of 10 from the field, 14 points, 5 boards, 2 assists, 2 turnovers. I thought Grant was sneaky quietly good in this game too. Um, there's got, there's getting to be a growing conversation about Grant and about whether or not he fits. I want to get that into that in segment 2 uh, when we talk a little bit more about like big picture kind of stuff. But just generally speaking, I thought Grant was good in this game. Um then, on the back-to-back, so, by the way, they held Charlotte to just pitiful shooting. Uh, 40, 41% from the field, 34% from three, 57% from the line. They went 8-14. of 14. 
they couldn't score. They couldn't rebound. Um, Charlotte is in a dip. I talked to them that morning. They just want to get home. Um, they had a long practice at shoot around. Borrego put them through the paces at shoot around. It's never what you want to do on the, on the altitude. It's just end of a West coast road trip. You want to try and get in and out of Denver as quickly as possible. And he made him go long. And I wonder if that's partly why like they were hanging and then they really lost the rope. And I wonder if, if that's kind of part of it. And then on the back to back, so Denver goes to golden state. They go down by like 20 points and they stage a monster comeback capped off by a put back by Michael Porter Jr. and a three-pointer to take the lead. Uh, 6-10 from the field, 18 points, 10 boards, his first career double-double for Michael Porter Jr. MPJ put eight, up 18-10-5 in 29 minutes. Like Michael Malone said after the game, like, he is going to play every game. It's like, well, you said that before, and then you've been taking him out in the second halves. But I think MPJ is going to have to play. There are ramifications for how MPJ has been playing. I'm not going to get that in the third segment. Um, but needless to say, like he's been phenomenal. He's wowed, you know, local media, national guys. Like the kids, just he's so talented. He's just he does the things that you can't teach. All the things that I tend to like about players, which are like he's really smart and he makes these good plays and he's a good screener. MPJ doesn't have much of that stuff. But he cuts really smart. He's a super strong rebounder. He's a leaper and a finisher at the rim with dunks, and he could shoot the lights out. Like he's got a very complete offensive game already, despite not knowing where the hell he is half the time. Uh, the kid's a star. Like he's just he's just a star. Um, Denver didn't really care about defense for half of this game, and then decided to try again. Look, I'm not going to dive too much into this because you guys know if you've watched the team at all, you know what this game was. The Nuggets are on cruise control, and they've been on cruise control for most of the season. It's not a marquee game, and this is even though it was on TNT, it was not a marquee game. And their approach has really been, let's screw around for three quarters, and we're going to try in the fourth quarter and see if we can steal it. And, you know, versus the Hawks and versus the Cavs, it didn't work, because those two teams have guards that will absolutely light you up if you let them get rolling. It didn't work versus the Pelicans because of a matchup problem. It worked versus the Warriors. They screwed around for three quarters. They stole it late. They just absolutely stormed back and took this one. Um, you know, Jokic 23-12-8 in that game. Nine turnovers. Like, he had real turnover problems because of just a lack of attention. But 10, 10 of 20 from the field and the plus 18. Um, Jokic, I thought, really controlled the second half. He just decided, like, look, we're going to win this game. And it's cool to see that Jokic can do that. Um Monte Morris did not play well in the back-to-back. Uh, Torrey Craig played really badly. We'll talk about him uh, in the third segment. Um, Malik Beasley, 27 points. He, Beasley was just lights out. Beasley has these nights. 5 of 10 from 3, man. It, like he, he has these nights, and it was a great trade showcase game for Beasley. Um, this game, I don't think, needs to be... like It's like, oh, what a comeback. This Warriors team is garbage. They're garbage. Like They are the worst team in the league. Um, you know, Draymond was a plus four. Willie Colley Stein was a minus 15. D'Angelo Russell, who played 36 minutes, was a minus 12. Like, the Nuggets won by three, and D'Angelo Russell was a minus 12. Like, I, this tells you a lot about um, the context of that team. So, look, I, I'm not going to dig too deep into this game. Denver should have won this game handily. They didn't. So, like, these, the performance by Porter was really impressive. His explosiveness was awesome. Malik did a lot for his trade value. Um, 
Jokic had a solid game. Will Barton with 31 points, the lead at lead all scorers, was terrific. 11 of 20, 7 of 10 from three-point range for Will, who was bombing and kept him in it, along with seven assists. Again, respect Will Barton. Put some respect on the Reverend's name. Um, but this game, they screwed around and they beat a bad team late. And two years ago, this is a monster win. And now it's like, okay, well... Maybe next time take the take the opponent seriously, even on the back to back. I know you're shorthanded. It's a good win because it's short, so they're so shorthanded. But um, that's how bad Golden State is. That even I'm like, eh, you probably shouldn't have gone to overtime with them. It's a good win. Probably shouldn't have gone to overtime. We'll come back and we'll talk Jeremy Grant. Um, we'll talk about the decision to play Tory Craig. I want to talk about Tory Craig in the second segment. Um, third segment will be mostly the Michael Porter Jr. conversation as we continue to marvel uh, at Denver's newest star. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Hey, everybody, before we go to break, I want to talk to you about my bookie. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. I don't know if you know this, but the Kansas City Chiefs are playing in the AFC Championship game this weekend at Arrowhead. I, myself, a Kansas City Chiefs fan, am very excited for this. I don't know if you know this, but the Chiefs and Broncos have traditionally been. Not the best of friends, but I'm sure you're thrilled for me and my opportunity for my team to go to the Super Bowl for the first time in my lifetime and the first time since the Beatles were still a band. It's been a while. I'm very excited for it and I'm betting on the Titans because I'm not an idiot because of the line seven. Uh, between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that wants to win a little, win a lot off of betting a little, you can try parlays. Try round robins. Got, I cashed that last weekend on that, actually. By uh, I nailed something on Sunday with the uh, Chiefs over and the uh, Packers, because I believed in the Packers. I like the Packers this weekend again, too, because I'm an idiot. I'm going to lose a lot of money. Uh, if you want to bet the season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. And if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $10,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you're going to get an extra $1,000, a grand in free money to play with. Just use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Go Chiefs! Back here on Locked On Nuggets, part of the Locked On Network. So... First, let's talk Torrey Craig. Um, Malone has started Torrey Craig the last two games with Gary Harris and Paul Millsap out instead of turning to Michael Porter Jr. Um, it was a mistake. I was surprised that he did it. I'm a guy that has thought highly of Torrey since the playoffs. Uh, I'm a guy that believes in using certain tactical advantages if you've got a roster spot like this. I'm a guy that tends to trust the coaches. 
Um, but I really don't get why he's decided to stick with Tori. Um, Adam has undoubtedly talked a lot about this. He's talked a lot about it on all of his platforms that the spacing dies with Tori. And you're taking away what makes Jokic great and it makes him solvable and all of these things. And those are all valid concerns. I think part of my issue is more along the lines of if you want to have the game flow that I think Malone does, which is he wants the starters to come in and roll them and bury them and punch them in the mouth and then the bench to come in and extend the lead and then you coast throughout the rest of the game. You play you play well enough to keep it even or build a little bit more. That's what Malone wants. That's what's reasonable to expect for this team in a lot of situations. If you want to do that, you're going to need to put Porter Jr. on the floor with Jokic because right now, Barton, MPJ, and Jokic are your three best offensive weapons. You don't have anybody else on the court that's better than those three. And honestly, throughout the course of the season, I don't think you've had him in general. Like, Gary hasn't had a big scoring night in two years. It's been two years since Gary's had a big scoring night. Um, so putting Tory in in these situations... I get the idea of like, oh, we're going to have balance, you know, because like, all right, if we're losing Gary and Paul, I need some plus defenders. But look, Will's been phenomenal defensively this year. Like, Will's been great defensively. Okay? So you got Will on court. If you're going to run Will, Monte, like Monte, I I get some of the the bench stuff, but that gets tough. Like, if you're going to run Monte, Will, MPJ, um, Jeremy Grant, Jokic is your starters with those three guys out, okay? Which they are going to be for at least a little bit. Harris may be back soon. Like, the groin injury is a pain, and it's hard to get past, but he could be back soon. Millsap, I, they're probably going to let him rest because they can. Um, that lineup gives you a standard playmaker in Monte Morris who can spread the floor a little bit. It gives you a dual threat in terms of on-ball, off-ball score in Barton, who's playing the best defense of his career. Okay, Monte is a solid defender. He's small. He can get lost on screens, sure, but he's still he's going to recover. And you're never going to have to worry about effort defensively with Monte Morris. Like it's going to be consistent. Okay, Jeremy Grant defensively has been off at times with his rotations, but can still make big highlight blocks and is a guy that will get better the more that he is the more minutes he gets with that starting unit, the better his defense will get. I do believe that. Um, Jokic has been fine defensively this year. He really has been. So really, you're only talking about MPJ as the weakness. And your benefits offensively are so great. If Malone wants to establish the kind of leads that he does, MPJ needs to start. And the second unit needs to be run primarily. Like, honestly, that's one where um, you take MPJ out early for Craig. That's fine. Okay. Um, But then you put MPJ back in with a combo set of him and Craig at both forward spots, and you play small. Or you play Grant at the five. I keep yelling about playing Grant at the five. I get how well Mason has played. I think that's totally fair, but I think you can get away with some some, some smaller lineups now that you're having to play more wing guys with the injuries and whatnot. Um, it also carves out some minutes for Malik at the two guard. I think that's fine, too. If you don't want to play MPJ, if you want MPJ rolling with the bench, I don't agree with it, but that's fine. But at least play Malik. Like, start Malik, okay? It gives you a weapon on the perimeter. Yes, his defense is bad, but Malik's at least, at least athletic. You're still getting athleticism. Either way, you're getting length and shooting, and that's better than what Tory brings to the table. They wanted to be able to bully the Charlotte guards, and that didn't happen. 
um, for a lot of reasons. You know, Tori, I think, is useful in very certain situations. He's a specialist, okay? He's a closer. There's been, like, the left-handed pitcher analogy. I think that's accurate. I think Craig can play in good lineups, but I don't think he needs to play with the starters. That's too valuable a minutes for him to be consistently getting those kind of minutes in it. Um, let's talk Jeremy Grant. So there's an idea going around that Jeremy Grant's, like, not a fit in Denver. Adam has some interesting thoughts on this, and you should check out both his writing at DMVR and the podcast. Like You'll hear more about his thoughts on Jeremy Grant and the rebounding issues that he presents. Um, I will say this. So I think Grant is adjusting to a completely different defensive scheme than he's used to. And part of that is in OKC, uh, they played drop coverage, and they didn't put two on ball. And the rotations were just much different. And I think defensively, there's a lot of upside for Grant to be the guy. Um, most notably, I'll say this. In the Lakers game, I know LeBron didn't play, and that's big. But in the win that they got, Grant was pivotable, pivotal Sorry, in interrupting and disrupting the lob sequence. Grant's your best shot at that. And that's going to be a problem in the playoffs. I wrote a big thing for Action today. talked about the playoff matchups in the Western Conference. And that's a big thing with Denver versus the Lakers. They cannot guard the lob. Jokic can't disrupt it. And if you want to disrupt it, you can't put two on ball unless you have a really great backside defender at the four, which Jeremy Grant can be. Like you can put two on the ball, force them to throw that to throw the either the short roll or the pass directly into the lob, and Grant is a guy that's athletic enough to go up and disrupt that pass. You need that. Like Grant has a real value on this team. And I, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit by burying him and what he can be for this team. I still think that there's a good opportunity for him long term as he gets to be more and more comfortable. I think he and Jokic are still figuring stuff out. I think a lot of guys in this team are still figuring out Jokic. Like we forget, you know, Gary Jamal. Like Gary's been running stuff with him his since his he started getting minutes his sophomore season. Jamal's been running stuff with Jokic the entire time he's been in Denver. It took Paul Millsap a while to get comfortable with Jokic. It takes time. It just does. It takes time to make that fit because Jokic is very unconventional. So I think there's still time for those two to adjust um, and get better. All right. In the third segment, we're going to talk MPJ and everything that that means as we come back on Locked On Nuggets, recapping two big wins over the Hornets and Warriors. Great.
Final segment here on Locked On Nuggets as the Nuggets go 2-0 in the back-to-back. Another back-to-back win. They've been really good at those under Michael Malone. 186 over the Hornets and 175,000 to 174,997 for the Warriors. It's a high-scoring game, 134-131. Um, let's talk MPJ. All right, on this podcast about a month ago, I was questioning whether or not uh, MPJ would be in the rotation after the All-Star break. It was based off of, like, look, he's not hitting shots. And if he doesn't hit shots, he doesn't bring anything else to the table. Um, I'm having a hard time parsing this out because the rebounding is really crucial, and they love it about him. As an offensive rebounder, as a defensive rebounder, they love what MPJ is bringing to the table. That putback last night was massive, and it shows his value. Um so it's true. He does bring more to the table than just scoring. The rebounding is also helpful. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in MBJ if he doesn't get like a putback dunk or like an immediate one. I don't have a lot of faith in him being able to reset the offense. Like I think that's like a, a high turnover situation. Uh, but it's still valuable. The effort level still counts. He had five assists last night, including a really nice dish to Plumlee. He had another one versus the Hornets where he had went up for a full shot fake and then dished down out of the very peak of his jumper to Plumlee rolling. That's the kind of stuff that I haven't seen from him, and that's impressive, and it's really valuable. Um, it's also really good to see because you don't want him developing habits as a black hole. Like there, With his scoring ability, I just think it would be very easy for him to be uh, a guy with horrible assist rates. And for him to have more playmaking ability is going to mean he fits better on this team and it's going to be better for his career. There's lots of stuff there. Um, I can't not, I can't say that like, oh, all the, like he's just fixed everything. Like that's not true. That's why there's still like conversation about it. It's why it's not like a no brainer for Malone is there are still sequences where like there was one last night um, Mason and Will are both yet both of them are yelling at him get over the other side of the floor you're not no not that and they can't get it done and then they, they're just like all right I guess we're just gonna run pick and roll right here and we'll kind of figure out what we're doing that's stressful for the veterans I think Monte had a similar situation versus the Hornets where like he like Plumlee was yelling at him and, and Monte's like okay we gotta go man look we're out of time um and that happens sometimes there's a very small package of plays. I asked Malone post game because in the Hornets game they let him handle the ball a bit more, and I was like, "Is there, are you expanding that?" And he's like, "Yeah, we got a little package. We got like an MPJ package that we're starting to implement." Um, Mares has identified it. As, there's three plays, and he'll have a breakdown of that at DNVR, which you should go check out. Um, I think there's value in getting him the ball more. I think they need to expand that package. And honestly, I don't even necessarily know that they need to run plays specifically for him. I think some of these possessions can just be like, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, let we're gonna let MPJ run high pick and roll with Plumlee." They've been playing a lot together. They seem to have pretty good chemistry. Let's let the kid like operate a little bit. Um, he's earned a few opportunities to see what he can do off the dribble because he's so gifted and talented. This gets into part of it. I'm a big believer in the idea of of steps for players like growth okay Kawhi Leonard came in into the San Antonio Spurs and they told him just shoot corner threes we just want you to defend and shoot corner threes that's all we want you to do Kawhi Leonard finals MVP NBA champion MVP candidate when he started out the Spurs were like stand in the corner shoot corner threes 
Uh, and he learned how to do that, and he learned how to do it really effectively. And Chip Englund with San Antonio got his shot to a place where it was consistent. And teams started having to close out on him because it's like, all right, you can't leave Kawhi Leonard over in the corner. And then it was, okay, when they close out, make him pay for it. Take another step forward. Like, all right, you can, you can, you can now dribble. You can dribble to the rim a little bit. If there's no open jumper, you can take it. But try and figure out how to get to the rim. Um, and then it became, okay, you can get to the rim. Let's figure out a counter. Can you fake the fake the, the the jumper in the corner when they close out drive to the rim and then have a counter move if they bring another defender over either for a score or an assist and that's how they built Kawhi up and then it was all right we're we're gonna give you the ball let's see what you can do in pick and roll and it was one step at a time mpj's kind of been on that he's just been in like a very shortened amount of time because he's so much more talented offensively than Kawhi was at this age I'm not comparing the two now, but like at where Kawhi was as a rookie, like MPJ is light years beyond him as a scorer. He's just a lot more comfortable with the, with the rock in his hands. So MPJ's growing steadily, game by game by game, and it's you know he's wowing everybody, and you 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 want to get him on the floor as much as possible, and you want to see him as much as possible. One, I got two things that I want to make point of here. One, I think that Malone, and there's going to be a conversation about. Why has it been so hard for this guy to get on the floor? I got it when he wasn't playing at all. Like in the early season and like the Knicks game, right? Like those are ones where I'm like, yeah, he missed an opportunity there. But like, look, the progress has been so good. MPJ hasn't gotten it over his head. He's not consistently putting up minus 18s. He's not costing the team wins. They have brought him along in such a manner that he has been set up for success and now he's succeeding. And we always want to believe the players can do it immediately. Like this is just better. Like this is a better approach. And he's learning accountability and how to play in a team offense and defensive principles. There are a lot of ways that MPJ could wind up becoming Jabari Parker. And the Nuggets, even beyond the injuries. Okay? The Nuggets are, are have invested time into building a system where he can be successful and learn what it takes to win. And those things are real important. If you don't believe me, look at Devin Booker's career in Phoenix. And the coaching staff, I think, has done a great job in how they've managed this. Point number two. This is what I will close with for today. Changes are coming. Not immediately. I'm not hearing from Nugget sources they're going to make a big trade. There is no way to look at the team and watch Porter Jr. and not realize that they're going to have to change this team to fit around him and Jokic. There are hard decisions to be made. Um, I think it's going to be difficult for Jamal Murray if he has to be the third best player on a team and then have the third most touches and have the third most points. I think that's going to be tough for what he believes he is in this league with absolute conviction. That's going to get awkward there's a chance that Jamal shifts that and is like, I'd rather win. Okay. But I think that that's going to be difficult and that's where it's going to go. MPJ is a more gifted scorer than Jamal Murray is. Jamal Murray's a better player right now because Jamal Murray has four years on him. He's just, he's better. He knows how to run an offense. He's crisper. Jamal's played great defense this year. His passing has been on point. Jamal understands the game and has like control and feel and has been in big playoff moments. All of that. But long-term, MPJ is just more talented. He's a more talented player. Um, that's got to be difficult, I think, for Jamal, who has always envisioned himself as like a franchise guy for Denver or wherever he goes. 
that's going to be awkward. The other thing is that MPJ, it's one thing if you're looking at the Nuggets and you're like, all right, you have a weakness. And I've been yelling about this, right, about the size of the backcourt. It's one thing if you say, like, look, they got this big weakness in terms of the size of the backcourt. And if you're in the Nuggets, you're able to say, but we got the number two seed in the West last year and we're number two in the West now. So is it really a problem? We win with these guys. We've won with these guys. That's one thing. It's different when it's what's best for maximizing our opportunity for making us the best we can be, not fixing a weakness, but just cashing in on an opportunity is to have a bigger set of a lineup. If you have any sort of point guard, that's just like a normal point guard. Let's say it's Jamal. Then Jamal is just like, I'm good being the third guy. I just want to set the offense, make some shots, get paid. Okay. If it's him, Barton at the two, which gives you a substantial upgrade in length and athleticism and ability to play make, okay, over Gary Harris, as much as, I again, I love Gary Harris. Michael Porter Jr. at the three, Jeremy Grant at the four, and Nikola Jokic at the five. You have defense, length, impossible size, shooting at multiple positions, multiple ball handlers and creators, and Jokic facilitating all of it. That's close to an ideal version there may be better ones bradley beal it's now being reported that he's unhappy that's gonna be a conversation again i don't think anything happens this year i don't think anything happens at the deadline it would it would have to be an absolutely shocker of a deal that they couldn't turn down um they love this team the front office loves these guys they built this team like this team was built they selected these guys because they believe that they had the talent to be great nba players and they have been but there are changes coming up and down the roster. And then if not this year, if not this season, and then in the offseason, and if not in the offseason, next year, it's inevitable. MPJ changes the calculus. And like, there's part of me that's genuinely sad about that because I've watched this team grow up together. And it's been so much fun watching them become what they are. The number two team in the Western Conference with a legit shot if everything fell right. If everything fell right, they can make the finals. But MPJ changes the equation because MPJ is the type of player that you can go into and say, he won that series. That's how much offensive talent the kid has. Look, he doesn't know where he is or where he should be doing. He has questionable decision-making. He gets toasted on defense. All these things that, that I'm like, these are like really th- things that are true about him. They're all to be expected for a guy that is, is this young. I don't think he'll ever be a great defender. I've argued about this with TJ McBride. I don't think he'll ever be a plus defender. He might be fine. Mello was fine for a few years. And MPJ could be better offensively than Mello. He has more willingness to pass. He has a better attitude. He plays in a better era. There is real championship contention ability if you have Jokic and MPJ. If you have Murray, it goes up even more. But navigating that is going to be tough. There are tough decisions ahead. So my message to you as we go into the weekend enjoy this team now enjoy the the this year with these guys that are all mostly homegrown or barton who was brought here in trade and they gave him an opportunity and he bought in and wanted to be a nugget mason Plumley, who was traded and has embraced his role here monte morris who fought through the g league to earn this spot malik beasley who didn't play his first season and earned his minutes wancho hernan gomez all these guys, this is a lovable team. And in the face of what's going to be changes because of the immense talent that MPJ represents and the risks that that involves, 
Because if you get it wrong, it goes sideways in a hurry. Enjoy this team. This is this season has been a slog, I think, for the fans after last year. It was so exciting, and this team's just been like coasting. But you need to really recognize how far they've come and how good they are, and take appreciation of what they bring, because it's not going to be forever. There may be better things around the corner, but it won't be the same. And that's my message to you as we go to the weekend. Thanks for listening. Good luck,